If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take them and turn with me to Romans chapter 12 this morning as we continue on our study in the book of Romans. The time for truth is now present. And we are examining kind of a series within this series on the gifts of grace that God has given to us. Miss Rachel, thank you so much. That lesson certainly does not only apply to the little ones today, it applies for all of us today. Welcome to February, the most depressing month of the entire year. <clears throat> we got the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. That's just a stretch, to tell you the truth, to try to find something. We got to find something here. Either way, all of the coldness outside today, this moment, this very minute, we have the warmth of being together in the house of the Lord as children of God. We are all unique and wild and weird, and yet God puts us all together. I was fixing my mic backstage, and, and I was telling Holly, who was back there, I, I, think, I think I have like an ear problem. Like, I think I got weird-shaped ears. Like, it doesn't fit. And she looked at me, and she goes, yeah, you do. <laughs> Thank you. I have, I have, I have nothing to say this morning. But the word here has got a lot to say. Let me direct your attention. I know we've read this, but we want to gain it in context. Romans chapter 12, we pick it up in verse 4. We'll read down through verse 8. The word of the Lord. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Not unto us, O oh Lord, not unto us, but to your name. Be the glory. As we, uh, through only your grace and your mercy, allow, through you, allow us to meet one more day, to, to sit and to hear. I would pray, Lord, that you would steer us and guide us and direct us. Speak to us. Quicken our hearts. Awaken us to hear. And Lord, as we hear the word of your truth, may, may through the power of your spirit, may it ignite us to burn for you, for your glory. Father, we pray, Lord, for people that are here this morning, perhaps people that are not able to gather with us, but they're listening from afar. May you, Lord, in, in, in the amazing way that you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, 
comfort us and strengthen us and encourage us. Those, Lord, that are struggling with a sense of, of weightiness or heaviness or darkness. May they, Lord, understand this morning they can cast their cares and their burdens on you because you care for us and you carry us. Father, I just pray that as we are a church that seeks to be obedient to your word, it seeks to use all the different gifts that you place within us, that we would, we would just, as we were reminded, not compare, not compete, but be content with, with who we are and how you've made us. And Father, may we all function together as one, as one. Father, please, I just plead just openly and honestly, please help me as I speak. Help me not to, to, to say anything that would, that would detract or take away. Give me clarity of thought in mind and speech. May this be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in amazing, wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. We can take all the book of Romans and we can divide it into two sections. Okay, verses, chapters, I should say, uh, 1 through 11 is, is all doctrinal instruction. We've talked about the doctrine of justification and sanctification and glorification. And then you divide the second portion is Romans 12, where we are right now, through the end of the book, chapter 16. And that's all practical application. How, how, does, how do we take an accurate understanding of our theology, of our doctrinal belief, and apply it to our lives and to the local church right here. And as we introduce Romans chapter 12, we talk about the fact what verses 1 and 2 were the ground rules, where we offer ourselves a living sacrifice. We offer ourselves to live in humble submission, in obedience to the Lord as a result of his mercy in our life, as a result of his grace in our life. And, and we talked about if, if, we, if we don't get that living sacrifice, if we don't get verses 1 and 2 down, the rest of the book of Romans is really going to be hard to digest. So that's why it's so important for us. And we know that upon salvation, God's grace and God's mercy bless us with salvation. He also what gifts us with spiritual gifts. Every single believer Acknowledge the fact that they are a sinner in need of a Savior and to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ receives at least one spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit, what? Imparts to every single one of us a gift for the express image of building up, not yourself, with the purpose of building up or edifying the body of Christ for the glory of God. We've looked at the fact that the challenge is really not figuring out, like, what is my gift? Or, or even how to use my gift. The challenge we talked about is what? Is having to exercise our gifts alongside of one another. Why? Because we're all so different. Remember the little bouquet of flowers that are all unique. They're different colors and different shapes. Take one of them out. That's, that's cute. That's beautiful. But together, it's gorgeous. That's the body of Christ. Now remember as well that, that just because you may have um, heard a message about a particular gift that you may not have, that doesn't allow you to just disengage. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have the gift of fill in the blank. 
No, because we have to still understand it to work alongside of one another. So that we also understand that what? It doesn't just excuse you from any and all responsibility. If you don't have the gift of serving, that doesn't mean, well, I don't have to serve. If you don't have the gift of generosity or giving, doesn't mean you don't have to give. If you don't have the gift of mercy, doesn't mean that you have to not be merciful. It talks about the fact that there's a unique gift that is given for a unique empowering towards unusual effectiveness. We look very briefly, what, at the gift of prophecy. This is, this is a gift given by the Spirit to offer the right word at the right time in the right setting and situation that aligns to this word. So, in a sense, it's heard. That there's life change. Last week, we talked about the gift of, of, of serving. The Spirit-given ability to identify an unmet need Making use of available resources to meet those needs. Tony Merida says what? It's practical help for those in need. And now we move on to our third gift this morning. It says this. The one who teaches in his teaching. So today we look at the gift of teaching. The NIV translated, if it is teaching, then teach. The New Living says, if you are a teacher, teach well. Let me just pause here for a moment. Every single one of us can quickly identify at some level, in some setting, to the classroom. We've all been there. Whether or not it's a blessing or a nightmare, we all can what? Think about what happens in this teacher-student relationship? And we are a church that is filled all the way from little kindergarten teachers up to university professors. We have many educators. So many of you will understand this. I think of even my early years where I began in education. Some of the things that you hear from students, they're still memorable. I was reading the testimonies and stories of other teachers. I think you can understand the unique setting of what happens in that teacher-student relationship, that dynamic. One teacher writes this, I'd finished my English lecture, and my class had filed out, and a 10th grader stayed behind to confront me. 10th grader said, I don't appreciate being singled out. He said, and I was confused, what do you mean by that? I don't know what the word oxy part means, but I know what a moron is, and you looked straight at me when you said that. Another teacher writes just before the final exam in my college finance class. A less than stellar student approached me. Can you tell me what grade I would need to get on the exam in order to pass the course, he asked. I gave him the bad news. The exam is worth 100 points. You would need 113 points to earn a D. Okay, he said, how many points would I need to get a C? On the last day of the year, my first graders, a woman was writing, gave me beautiful handwritten letters. As I read them aloud, my emotions got the better of me, and, and I actually started to choke up. The teacher said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just having a hard time reading. One of the little girls in the back said, it's okay, Mrs. Higgins, just sound it out. 
we just get it. Like we just, we all just get whether or not it's what little ones or we understand the classroom concept. That's really the idea of what we're talking about this morning, whether it's blessing or nightmare. If you have this gift, and you better use it. The word in Greek for teaching here is didasko. It, it simply means, in, in that word, it means to provide instruction. But here in, in the full context, it denotes what the activity of teaching, think about this, especially for moral instruction. So remember what I said, that the primary purpose of all spiritual gifts is to build up, is to edify the body of Christ for the glory of God. So the gift of teaching is not just limited to providing instruction or information. It's not even the ability only to communicate clearly so as that you gain a better understanding of the root system of a tree. Or what? Or, or the cloud formations or, or weather patterns or what? It's not just the ability to explain that x squared subtract 8x equals negative 17. Unless what? Unless all of that information and anything like that connects us to and points us to the divine design of a sovereign creator where it all has what? Structure and order. That the gift of teaching points things to God that gives us an increased understanding of how to live faithful as followers of Jesus in response to our loving Heavenly Father. This, 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 this speaks of a person who is divinely gifted. If I were to give you a definition that you could write down very simply and know, the gift of teaching is defined as the spirit-given ability to communicate information that is relevant to the health and the strength of the local church. So, so not only is this remaining precise and accurate in the content of the subject, but it's presented in such a way that draws the listeners, the students, to understand and apply the subject. In short, think about the context of what happens here in the local church. I believe this must it most certainly must include a what? A connection, an ability to make a straight short line to that which is our foundation. The base of everything that we teach. What is that? It is the gospel. The root of our belief system. One gifted in this way has the ability to take hard to understand. Tough truth, deep, difficult doctrines from Scripture and teach them or explain them in a way that it applies to the most difficult parts of what godly living in an ungodly world. Whether or not it's a little one or a teenager or an adult, men or women. From a student to a senior citizen. The message of the gospel applies 
in every single facet and component of our life. A person with the spiritual gift of teaching has the ability to take the word of God and not lose sight. That every area of our life points to the fact that at one point there was a loving God who created everything and everyone out of nothing spoken word and he completed in complete perfection and what we know that sinful mankind rebelled and God out of his love for us enacted and put into place a perfect plan where he chose imperfect people And what a Messiah was promised. And a message was faithfully preached. And the miracle of all miracles happened. That what God became man. A virgin woman conceived and gave birth. A baby was born. And a completely holy life was lived in the most unholy, unjust, and cruel worlds. Where ultimately, what? That life was sacrificed. That a body was broken and nailed to a cross. And blood was poured out. And payment was made. Forgiveness was offered. And the body was buried in a borrowed tomb. And three days later, that tomb burst open. And a resurrected Savior walked out. And the same message that what? Just as as Christ was given a new life. That what? A new life is offered to every single person. That we know that there is a time that is coming. That all of the pain and the stress and the strain and the war and the tears. Will one day come to an end. And what? All will be perfect again. That's the message that weaves its way through that as someone who's been gifted with the gift of teaching doesn't lose sight of that. I know there's some that struggle with the definition. Like, like isn't, isn't... the definition of teaching pretty close to the definition that we use, the prophecy? Like, how do we distinguish between the two? I think there's certainly at some level some overlap, but this is where we begin to see of why we need to be working together. Regardless of the fact that we are all different. I think the best distinction in prophecy, what? Is the precise word at the precise moment that aligns with the word of God. That is heard that produces life change. The gift of teaching is the general ability of explaining. And instructing that truth in a way that's understood and applied. Think about this. The gift of prophecy is about the ability to proclaim. The gift of teaching is the ability to explain. One is instructs, one is insight. But both, both are needed, both are rooted in a systematic and regular instruction of the word of God. If we were to go to the pages of Scripture, give me, give me a, a name, a person. I can't help but think of Acts chapter 18 with one whose name was Apollos. It says that he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures, which means he was probably what? This was manifested mainly in his ability to open up these what? 
difficult evangelical bearings of the Old Testament scriptures and present them in a sense of power and persuasiveness so that what? It was heard. Now, how, how does this work along the context of the local church? Together, you can't really have one working apart from the other. So think about this. One with the gift of prophecy would say is a truth teller. They just, they just say it. They're, they're the ones who are warning and admonishing. They're holding the sign up that says, stop, don't do that. Don't go there. Danger. That has to point to another person within the body who then is what gifted in such a way to explain why they need to stop. And how are they going to stop? Thus, as we read in Romans chapter 12, in one body, we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. Thus, the body working together, different flowers make the bouquet beautiful. What? The, the Bill Stankowitz, I'm going to tell it like it is, has got a point to the Fran Johnsons who explained to us the Linda Gray or the Brianna Badorf are going to call it like it is. They have the gift of prophecy. They has to point to the Kimber Brady who's going to sit down and process through how you're going to make the life change. You understand how this works together. But can you see why it doesn't matter if it's the Sunday school teacher or the seminary professor? Within the context of the local church. It doesn't matter if it's an author. It doesn't matter if it's a, a, a small group leader for a youth group. All of these pieces and parts work together. If you recall, it says, go and, and make disciples. This is our, our commissioning, our, our mandate. Go and make disciples. And it includes what? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. How, how important are those that have been what, in a sense, gifted, the Drew Talbots of our body, the, the Mike and Sierra, the Dan Nautas, who have this ability to take a hard concept and take it apart, put it back together again so that it is understood, the Marian Khans. Of our body. We are blessed. We are blessed with a church that has such an eclectic blend of people that are gifted in such ways. How, how, how like, but how, may, how do I know? Maybe, maybe I, you may be asking, you may have this what? Gift of teaching. If you have, in a sense, a, a basic motivational drive to discover. That, that you're always searching to, to explain truth, to validate truth in some way. You want to dig deep into something and it interests you and you want to package that in such a way. I've, I find that, that great teachers are oftentimes great students. Skilled in research, learning what? Sensitive to, to doctrinal integrity that guards us. From false belief, I think great teachers 
oftentimes have a teachable spirit. Now, are we all to have a teachable spirit? Absolutely. Every single one of us are to have a teachable spirit. But I think one of the indicators of someone who, who has this gift, has a unique a readiness to have a teachable spirit, which at some level implies humility, a willingness to learn, a willingness to, to hear, a willingness to, to be challenged and a willingness to change from where they were to where the Lord wants them to be. I remember years ago, I think I went back, I think it was about 2014. Pastor Aaron and I were at a pastor's conference in Louisville and, and together for the gospel. And of course, you know, being with Aaron, he's the loud, he's the annoying extrovert speaking to everyone all of the time. And I was just the quiet, shy guy in the corner, the introvert, just keeping to myself. Not really, if you know. One thing I, I love, have always loved about Pastor's Conference is the fact that you connect and relate to, to many other guys. Many other stories are represented. And testimonies. And you listen to backgrounds and experiences. I love to have lunch with guys. And you ask them questions. And you dialogue or debate theology. And, and you listen and learn about the power of the work of God. What? All over the place. Not just in our little corner of the harvest field. And I remember talking to Aaron, and, and I was encouraging him, you, you, need to, you need to kind of step out of your comfort zone. You want to intentionally meet some of the other guys that are out there. Listen to their stories. And I let him off the hook. I said, you don't have to meet all 10,000 guys, okay? Find five of them. Just, just find five guys. Introduce yourself and listen to them. I remember later that, that night... I had totally forgot about what I had told Aaron. We were in a hotel room, and, 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 and you know how that moment when you're like, your head's on the pillow, and you're like, just, like, you're just about to go under. Like, you are just, and it's just like this amazing. And I'm at that just like, just about. And I hear from the other side of the room, I met Mark from Texas. I met Nathan from Minnesota, and he just had twin daughters. And he, he went on. Yeah, we, we need to pray for David. He just planted a church in Northern California. Northern California is just weird. We need to pray for David. And he, he, just, he just went on, and he had, he had five guys. And, and I, thought, I thought at some level, totally, totally outside his comfort zone. And yet a willingness to say, you know what? I'm going to stretch a little bit here. And I think that's where oftentimes we have gifts kind of represented. Just, just what? In, in these seats. And, and you kind of stay in your box. I, I don't really know. I don't really know what to do here. And there's this like stiffness and this straining. People with the gift of teaching have an ability to, in a sense, kind of lean in and listen. And demonstrate a willingness be taught just like all of us. I, I'm just thrilled with the, the uh, testimony of Donald Gray Barnhouse. Remember I was telling you he was the one at 10th Press who preached for years and years and years through 
the book of Romans. And interesting about Barnhouse is that he was a preacher, but he actually had the gift of teaching. And he so humbly acknowledges and addresses the, this subject that as he, sport, as he speaks about the importance of teaching, helping us to understand, and that we are responsible. If you have this, you're responsible now. Barnhouse says this, and I quote, The Bible warns that God will hold me responsible for my spiritual attitude toward him. So Barnhouse writes on this particular gift, Have I listened to his voice? Have I laid my own reason in the dust before him in order to take it again, enlightened by him for use in my work? Have I been spiritually alert and dependent upon the Holy Spirit? Have I gone again and again to the Word of God to refresh my own soul before ever speaking to others? Have I tried to live what I preach? Have I acknowledged my sins when the Lord showed them to me and repented of them? Have I recognized moment by moment my utter dependence upon the Lord? Have I been lazy? Have I been diligent? Have I insulted the Lord by feeding his sheep with ill-prepared food? Oh, believe me. These and a thousand other questions are constantly before the man who knows that he has been called by God to teach and that he will be answerable to the Lord in the day of judgment of the believers. I simply quote Barnhouse, not, not to, to place in unbearable weight or burden, but to remind you of the significance of responsibility. And I think at many levels, it expands outside the gift of just that we're talking about this morning, the gift of teaching. I think it's all gifts. Are we faithful in the exercising and the using? What are some strengths what are some of the blessings that we see in the context of the local church for those that have this unique gift of teaching? Number one, um, one of the strengths is that they, they love research to gain information, to gain insight. They view the Bible, study, study of the Bible primarily as an academic activity with spiritual benefit rather than a spiritual activity with an academic benefit. At some level, this is alive. And this is feeding us and strengthening us and nourishing us. Another strength from someone who has the gift of teaching is that they're passionate about correcting error. And they'll speak up to that. Excuse me, how is that proven from the Word? They delight in uncovering insights that, that many people miss or just simply overlook or maybe they think are insignificant. They love to kind of um, uncover something that has been hidden, a gem that is mined out. And those of you with the gift of teaching, those of you that, that what, find solace in the classroom, you know, you know the excitement when the light bulb goes on. Another strength is that they're not hesitant to challenge. Maybe an idea is presented. I, I think oftentimes it says in Scripture, it says in Proverbs chapter 27, that, that iron sharpens iron. That at some level, they're continuing to learn, continuing to develop. And they sense the importance and the necessity. They're not being arrogant, not being judgmental, but to speak into other people's lives. 
to teach them and explain why it's important to look at life through the lens of the gospel. Oftentimes, another strength is that they have excellent study habits, investiga- orderly investigation. They love to, to, to create lists and document information in a very organized manner. They're oftentimes very diligent. They're very sincere. Usually, they're neither sloppy nor slothful. But we also have to watch out, just like all gifts that have strength, there's also weaknesses. What are some weaknesses? And I think this helps us identify as well, what is it that we have been given? We're tempted to confuse knowledge with wisdom. Remember, knowledge um, is information. Wisdom is viewing and applying that information from God's perspective, particularly a biblical worldview is what we want to make sure. So just by gaining knowledge is not going to be. Just by spewing out knowledge isn't going to be. It's what? It's explaining it so that the body is built up for the glory of God. Another weakness is that they focus, they tend to focus or can focus more on facts instead of people. We need to be careful here. We need to be what's humble and sensitive to the Spirit's leading to say, you know what? Go outside of your lesson plan if needed to address the heart issue that's represented in the classroom. Weaknesses, they're tempted to be prideful. They have this ability to, to um, accumulate knowledge with ease. Sometimes they, they can look down at others who maybe maybe like, why, why don't you get this already? I think like all of us, any gift or any strength, we have a tendency, but be careful here. The Holy Spirit that gives the gift is also what the same Holy Spirit that allows us to exercise that gift in a way that builds up, directs attention to the Lord and not to yourself. Another weakness is they oftentimes give much more information than asked for. I think that's a really good one. Like, hey, enough. We get it. You're brilliant. You know more than I do. But re- remember that, that there's a tendency. Remember teachers, good teachers, read the classroom. When the eyes are like glazed over and you've lost them. You don't need to give them more. Just be careful with some of the weaknesses. How, how, do I, how do I now personally, how do I identify my spiritual gift? I, I've heard it described like this. Teaching is very similar to swimming. What do you mean by that? Just as you must commit yourself to water in order to learn how to swim, you cannot learn how to swim outside of the pool. Just as you must commit yourself to water to learn how to swim, you must learn to teach by teaching. And this is challenging, particularly in the context of the local church, because what? There's also a shepherding component that elders and pastors have to make sure we guard what is taught. Therefore, it's more than what? I'd like to teach. Go ahead. No, 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 no. We just, just back up a little bit. How do I identify my spiritual gift? Again, it always begins with prayer. Lord, guide me in this process. Make me... Have a clear understanding, a passionate interest, and a love. And rather than just jumping in the pool, what I would say is this. Look for an opportunity to be taught first. 
there's usually what? There's great hesitation. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm only, I gotta be up front. I gotta be up front. No, what I would say is you look for an opportunity to be taught first. Pastor Stewart says, what, yeah, we need some, some TAs in the back with the children's ministry. We need some assistance. What a, great, what a great place to begin to learn and to listen what it looks like. Uh, yeah, small group leaders for junior high ministry. If you can communicate effectively to a junior high student, you can communicate to anyone in the entire world. Begin there. Just look for opportunities to be taught. Whenever you hear, i got to be up front to start, that, that's, whoa, that's not displaying a teachable spirit. Be willing to hear feedback. That's the body working together. Inevitably, most importantly, a loving brother, a loving sister is going to come up to you in great humility with sensitivity, put their arm around you and say, guess what? You probably don't have the gift of teaching. As hard as it is to hear that, that's what needs to happen. Finally, trust God to, to use you alongside of others for your glory. It kind of, we kind of end where, where Miss Rachel began with the kids. We teach the little ones. If God created you like this, don't, don't be grumbling that you don't have the gift of the next guy. Be content with who God has made you, where God has placed you. And use that gift. And exercise that gift for the glory of God. The one who teaches in his teaching. If it's teaching, then teach. If you are a teacher, then teach well. You have in front of you a little tiny card. Pastor Aaron continues to direct our attention to a little communication card. And, and it, is, it is an invaluable tool for you to put your name on it and a question mark and say, I, I, I want some help here to figure out what my gift is. Fill that out. Drop it in any one of the boxes and we will get back to you to assist you in this process. If you are a believer here today, you've acknowledged the fact that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you've accepted Christ, you desire to live with Him as Lord of your life and follow Him and walk in obedience, you have a gift. And it's your responsibility, just as Barnhouse was around, to using that before, before what? We stand before the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for how you have how you have built the church, put the church together, how you are continuing to put the church together, and how, Lord, you are our head, and, and we, as your hands and feet, are to be working and exercising our gifts. And we know, Lord, that there's no church that's perfect. Nobody gets this totally right. But I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that is characterized by humility and a teachable spirit to listen and learn alongside of one another so that together... We are that beautiful bouquet. We are that mosaic. We are a sweet-smelling aroma to you. But Lord, we need your help. And so as we sing in our final song, before we exit, before we head to Sunday school,
to learn more about you. I, I pray, Lord, that we would, we would hear a word from you directing us and guiding us just one more step. Help us to be obedient when you do speak. In your name we pray. Amen.